how good it is to be at heart and soul center of light this morning, to know that a new day is dawning, to know that something quite magnificent is unfolding, not just now, but always and in always. How good and very good it is to be together. To be together via Zoom, to be together via Facebook, to be together via YouTube, to be together in person, to be safe, to know something beyond fear and doubt and our scaredy cattedness. How good it is to unite in a higher, broader, larger vision at the core of which is Salbona. Seeing each other at another level with a deeper intention, with a purer heart, with an intention to bless. Something is happening right here. Just a note from the field, it always is, but I'm just calling it right now. I see it, I feel it right now. This is not like this is a new thing, but it's a new thing. And so I'm basking in the new thingness of now, the infinite possibility of now. I'm grateful for everyone who has contributed their time, their talent, their treasure to the unfoldment of this service. I am giving thanks. I know that this is only possible because of the hands and hearts of many. And I'm grateful. So I speak this word as an opening for this, this service. As we move into the next phase of it, I do so with gratitude and divine appreciation and divine expectation. I give thanks. I let go. I let the divine do this thing. Divine source, the all in all, the living one, the strong one, divine source. I let it do this magnificent thing called Heart and Soul Center of Light, Sunday morning celebration service. And I just simply let it be. Sealing this word for eternity, I release it into the perfect activity of law by simply saying amen, ashe, and so it is. Good morning. Those of you who are tuning in via Zoom and Facebook and YouTube, thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being a part of this community and supporting us. And you can probably hear that there's a different level of noise in the room because we have invited our, our members to some you probably recognize from decades back, the, the talk back folks. So it'll be that kind of party, no doubt. But whatever it is, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for however it unfolds. Many of us have been 
awaiting this. Those of us who are the, the introverts like myself, we needed that first break. Those first few months, we, we were like, we were rocking that, I have to just say. No offense to the extroverts. I know y'all were in a different place, and my heart was there for you, but Lord knows I needed that break just to be by me and have nobody. Everybody knew they couldn't come by. Everybody knew I wasn't going nowhere. It was just like a safe space to to just drop way deep into. But even for me, that got old. There was a point at which I'm like, I still can't go nowhere. I still can't see nobody. But now we are officially next week open and available. for the. Now, I know for some of y'all, you are comfortable and you're not coming. And I want to just bless you because that's all right. If I wasn't doing this part, we don't even know whether I would ever show up. Well, you, we, we know I'd be a supporter. Let's keep it real. We know I'd be a supporter. I'd be sending my tithes. I'd, I'm a tither. I'd be tithing, and I'd be calling in, and I'd be showing up on Zoom, and I'd be on some team that I know could do a virtual something. But we don't know whether there'd be many sightings. So I understand, and I feel you. If your decision is, y'all go and rock that in the building, and I'm going to be right here checking you. That would be all right. And if your heart says, it's time for you to come, then get registered, because it's that kind of party. Get registered and come on. We love you no matter what. Pardon me, please. <clears throat> Whatever this is, we know it's an adventure in faith, yes? So last month, well, in February, we had, thank you to uh, Reverend Sonia and to Tammy Hall and Valerie Joy and Liberta Laurel. We had a beautiful Black History video. And then last month, we had another beautiful Women's History video. And I'm just going to act like I don't know it's April because I feel like there's so much that is happening in my world, you know, my personal planet, if you will, that I just feel like we could, we could take another look at the women. So we're going to do that now.
got a plan So even in your darkest night Hold on to the light And please know oh, You got the victory got the victory. We got the victory. Somebody might want to say that. I got the victory. Because it, it, it offers us a place to stand. We are, in our human nature, there's an aspect of us that is always looking for a place to stand. Where am I standing in this? And it's not even that we necessarily have an awareness that that's what we're seeking. But that's the way it works out. We're looking for where do I stand on this? Not as a conscious thought, but as an inner seeking. And so I'm suggesting that beginning today, that you might choose to stand in I got the victory. Regardless of what's up. Just choosing a place to stand and consider I got the victory. I know the, it's, the check is laid in the mail. I know there's situations and circumstances, stuff going on, but where are you standing? I got the victory. Life is unfolding as a true adventure in faith. And what? I got the victory. No matter what. Yes? So we're going to try rocking with that. Today, John 12, I think like 1 through 8. There's a story there that is, it has, this is essentially, if we thought that scripture was more historical, more accurate history than it, actu than it actually is, we would say that this week, being the week before Passover, before we, uh, before we, Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and then the Sunday after that is Easter. So this is, uh, we're right there at the Jewish Sabbath that begins this trek in a sense. So what we find is that 
the master teacher, Yeshua, that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, is now entering into Bethany. And y'all know that whenever we are talking about scripture, we are doing our best to discern the metaphysical, the what can we see in this beyond the physical, beyond just the words? So Bethany is the name of the city, but it also has its own meaning. And Bethany speaks to um, a place of figs. And you know that Bethany is also the place where the master teacher came before because Mary and Martha had come seeking him because their brother Lazarus was dead or they thought he was dead. And they, were, they came with a little, you know, a little energy because they had been asking him to come. And he hadn't. But of course, all of that had shifted. So the name Bethany not only includes figs, and it's, it's about sorrow and disappointment. And that is said to be so because figs, like where I grew up, we had a fig tree, and they're kind of weepy. If you get good, ripe figs, they're weepy, meaning they have that little sap on them. So people long ago looked at, looked at life in a connected way often. So the name of the city be, was formed out of what was there. So it had that weeping kind of sorrow to it, yes? But once the master teacher was there and had healed Lazarus and Lazarus was raised from the dead, it took on a different meaning. It took on a meaning of what's possible. It be, Bethany becomes the conscious, the place in consciousness where something is possible. Okay, so you, you have the master teacher entering into an environment where something is possible. I ought to just go sit down now. Yes, because, so we know already just the entry there. We know something is going to, something's going to pop off. Yes, in the vernacular. Okay, so look, it's, it's, a pla it's a place, it's still a place of fruits. Fruits being the manifestation where something can happen. I'm wanting us to be Bethany's. You understand what I'm saying? We, I, I want us to awaken the Bethany in us, that aspect of our consciousness where, where we recognize the fruits of our being. Yeah? Okay. So in this story... <clears throat> I already told you, Mary and Martha and Lazarus live here. So we're going to look at the meaning. So Mary, in this particular, all of the names have meanings. All of them. And we're, not, we're looking at their metaphysical meaning in this context. So in this context, Mary represents the inner devotional side of the soul. And Martha represents the outer practical expression. Now, we are both Mary and Martha. You, you understand that this is how we are, but we simply have the, represent, the representation kind of spelled out so that we can see it in action. All right? And more specifically, we see that Martha does not consider that anything has been done unless there's an external, unless there's external evidence. You know your Martha part, don't you? It's the Missouri part. You're not believing it. Until, yeah, it's that part. Yeah, I'm not, uh-uh, show me. That's the Martha in you. The Mary is 
<clears throat> Mary is the inner devotional. In this particular scripture, this is where we, we experience Mary anointing the master teacher's feet. And then not, not washing them first, but anointing them with precious, expensive oil and then wiping it with her hair. So that's the Mary in us that is honoring, that, that sees the deeper meaning, the, the greater opportunity, the more surrendered calling in us. Makes sense? It's, it's the inner part and experience of us. And in this feet washing, in this anointing, this is about the love, that love is the fruit of devotion. And she is expressing thanksgiving. Can I just say that if you think about the time, I've already set it up. So if we look at it kind of historically, and I, this is italics and quotes and it's all the things with asterisks, because that's not the way I read scripture. I know that scripture is often laid on the history line. I'm not clear if we really can and not fork our tongues and tie it in knots. But I'm okay with us having a sense of flow or continuity around that, okay? So for this story, we want to hear it in the context of this is a couple of weeks before the crucifixion. And there's no way to have people this tapped in and them not have a feel that something's happening. Now, they may not know. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not pretending that everybody knew exactly, but you, you live life. You've been on this adventure in faith. You know good and well that you can feel something. You don't know what, but you'll get up and, I don't know, something's, I'm you know, I'm looking. I'm, I'm checking my, my caller ID especially because, what, I got a feeling. That's what, that's what some of the metaphysical is about. Neville says feeling is the secret. That we, that we want to acknowledge what we feel and, and be aware. This isn't just our curbside feeling. This is the depth of our feeling. Y'all understand what I'm saying? This isn't I ate something bad and I'm feeling, or this isn't I'm jealous and I'm at the effect of that. This is the awaken with an awareness. So they may not know. And in fact, this is, I, I want to get to this part here because Judas is also part of this story. Because in this story, when, when Mary brings out the precious, expensive oil, look at here. When she brings out the oil, you know different oils. Y'all been there. I don't have to. I, we don't need the seminar on essential oils to know that there's a difference in scent. So when she breaks out that oil, everybody knows this is the good stuff. And Judah says, whoa, that, you could have sold that and had, I think he says, a hundred denarii, whatever that would be. It'd be a lot of money. The point is, if you had sold that rather than pouring it over his feet, we could have given that money to the poor. Now, in case you just met Judas, 
you might be believing that he was really concerned about getting money to the poor rather than filling his own bag. So feeling, you see, is the secret. There's an awareness factor in all of this as we're looking at it beyond the physical of the story. So she's poured the oil. Everybody can tell it's the good stuff. He, said, he chastises her for the waste of this. And the master teacher's response is something like this. And I say something like because even if you're reading a version that has quotation marks, I ask you to just balance that. Essentially, the response is, is let her be about that. That oil she was saving for, for my burial. She was saving that for, you know, because they got the relationship. Remember, she, she and her sister had come to get him to take care of the brother. They thought he got there late, but then he, he was, then their brother was risen. Right now, I just hear that, that scripture Credits, the master teacher is saying, when he arrives, Father, I give thanks that thou hearest me always. <laughs> I can't be late. I give thanks that thou hearest me always. So that's the man on whose feet she is pouring the precious oil. And his response is essentially, let her be. She was saving that oil for a specific purpose. And then he says this, for you have, you will have the poor with you always, but you won't have me with you always. Now, I'm going to have to pause here. Be, well, no, the, can I put a little pause and say I'm going to come back? To, um, that's right here. That's right here. It's here. But over here, we want to just establish that, that Judas represents the sense consciousness of humanity that is selfishness. It's, it's about personality. It's, it's about his satisfaction and personal gains. It's, it's jealousy, it's envy, and it's continually opposed to the outpouring of love. Where love is happening is going to be a problem. Now, let me get back over here because in John 12 and 8, we have the master teacher saying, the poor will be with you always, but I won't. Now, I'm not pretending we're all Bible students, because this isn't true. But no doubt we have already heard that he had said that I will be with you always <laughs> until the end. It's paradoxical, isn't it? And paradox means what? That, it, that both things are true. Yes, it's both and. So it is true. And, and we might think, well, if, if, if we are Christian, if we are, if we are believing in the master teacher and what the master teacher taught and brought, then we would be making sure there are no poor. And I'm sure that that's true. However, he said they're going to be with you always. Now, I think I have to put an asterisk because by right of consciousness. By right of consciousness, when I say poor, it doesn't mean you just don't have no money. 
It means that by right of consciousness, you don't think you ever going to have none. By right of consciousness, you don't think you deserve any. So it really doesn't matter what you win. It's what you can keep by right of consciousness. So in that sense, the poor will be with us always. Not that we won't not that we won't redistribute, not that we won't give, but, and I'm sure some of us have given. And we realize that, that they're not, they, hmm, they're not vibing with responsible finances. You're just going to have to keep loaning that person. Do not mess with me if you're the one that's borrowing. I'm just saying that there are some relationships. I, I got to keep it real. There's some relationships, there's some individuals that they are going to be the borrower. They're going to be the borrower. That's just, and, and they're going to see themselves. They can only be that if they're, it doesn't mean they're going to admit it to you. But in terms of the mirror image, they perceive themselves as a borrower that they'll never be in a position to lend unless it's just right there in line where you go, you know, an immediate kind of, is this making sense? All right, I got off point though. Um, so, no, maybe I haven't here. <clears throat> no, that's okay. From Matthew 28, I will be with you always unto the end of the world. Said during the same short lifetime of the man who said, the poor will be with you always, but I won't. See, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not answer girl. I'm not, I'm not in a position to like straighten that out for you. I intended to leave us in the paradox. I, I want us kind of on the line, just failing about, trying to figure out how can both of those be true. But for right now, I simply want to say, let's start by trusting love. Calling forth the merry aspect of our being. To trust love, to know, to lean on love. See, even as we're flailing about trying to figure out how, how to discern this, what it means, what's going to happen next, trust love. Lean on love and trust that God and love is everywhere that we are here to be, like Mary, the perfect givers of love. Even though folks are watching and thinking they have a different sense of how it ought to go. Even so, to be the perfect givers of love. I bring you now to Kia Franklin. Trust love with Tammy Hall.
to Kia Franklin, Tammy Hall, what a combination, trust love, love is a healer, love loves to love, I love that line, thank you Ricky Byers, I love that line, love loves love. Calling y'all out. I'm calling out the Mary in us. You know, I wanted to, and did, bring you, or began with John 12, to set it up, to remind us of the truth of our being to use a, an ancient story as symbols, indicators of who we are and how we are, and some would hear me say whose we are. But I want to kind of fast forward. Well, to the early 1900s. Ernest Holmes, in his, <coughs> pardon me, in his work, um, Creative Mind, which he wrote, I think, in 1918, he says, the great soul is learning more and more to, hear this, dare to fling out into mind 
a divine idea of himself, herself, their self, and to see themselves perfect and whole. That would be us. Learning more and more to dare to fling out into mind a divine idea of ourselves. And then to, for me to see me, touch yourself right now, just so you know. I'm talking about, you know, because the words could get us confused. We talk about other folks. I'm personalizing it for me, but I want to make sure you're personalizing it for you. And sometimes if you just touch yourself, it'll bring you home. That your great soul, the, your inner being, is learning more and more to dare to fling out into divine mind a divine idea of myself. And for me to see myself as I do that, more perfect and whole. You see, if I have a divine thought, <laughs> I'll get a divine thing. Y'all hear that? When I have divine thoughts, I get a divine thing. Now, the, the converse is true as well, but I'm not talking about that right now. When you have a human thought, you get a human thing. We will receive essentially whatever our innermost thought embodies. Come on, Judas. Whatever our innermost thought. Come on, Mary. Our innermost thought is not a collective. It's each one responsible for discerning what is that for me. And we find that, that in, in Scripture, both in Psalms 18 and in 2 Samuel, we find these words, or the equivalent, to the pure thou will show thyself pure, and to the forward thou will show thyself forward. That it's by law of transitivity. It's, if it's like this, it'll be like that. It is done unto all of us as we believe. Ernest Holmes goes on to, no, I'm getting, I need to emphasize as. Y'all know the drill. That it's as we, as we are in the process of believing, it has nothing to do with what you claim you believe or what you journals you believe. It has everything to do with your energetic vibration in the moment as you are believing. And we're always believing something. Whether we acknowledge it or not is not the point. It's that we, as humans, we're always at the effect of what we believe as in this moment. Ernest Holmes goes on to say, hold an object in front of a mirror. And it will image in the mirror the exact size of the object. Hold a thought in mind, and it will image in matter the exact likeness of the thought. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. He then says, let us take this image, which we would hold before a mirror, and change it ever so slightly. And there'll be a corresponding change in the reflection. So if we change it ever so slightly, we'll see a slight change. If you transform it, I'm just saying. 
whatever is imaged is brought forth from mind into manifestation. Okay, now we're going to fast forward to now. Because when I read that, that just took me like that's social media. You know, that's, and, and here's the thing about social media, that it's not a thing. If no, for example, okay, so what name them, that we got the little logos up there. Y'all probably name them faster than I could. There's something up there. I don't even remember what that is. I did that, but I don't know what they all are, and I don't care. Here's my point. Whatever it is, whatever little platform somebody created, if nobody logged on, it wouldn't be nothing. See, so it is nothing. Our logging on and engaging it makes it whatever it is you think it is. And I'm not, I'm not, it's not bad or good, it just is. But whatever you bring into it is what's making it the thing. It's us. It's us. All right. So for anybody who, I'm going to do this. Can I, Pam, in reverse order? Can I do a slide, Deb, too, in, in a different order than I've given it to you? Okay. All right. I want to go to uh, the slap heard around the world. Because I want to call us on our stuff. I want to call it us on our stuff. Because in truth, none of us knows what happened. None of us. Those of us watching live weren't sure that what we saw is what we saw. The people in the room said they weren't sure they saw what they thought they saw. Do not mess with me about this. And whatever you've posted, that's what the delete is for. Because the bottom line is, we don't know any more than Judas knew. What you doing with the oil? How is that different than any question you got for Will Smith? Or any advice and counsel? Oh, yeah, now y'all get quiet. Or any advice and counsel you have for Chris Rock. You don't know, Judas. You don't know. You're not even sure what the thing is. I see the oil. I see the feet. I see you there with the hair. But you don't know the thing that's. You don't know what's really happening. And this isn't the first time in your life that you thought it was this and it wasn't. You thought it was that, and it absolutely was not that. We got work to do. We got work to do. It's the paradox, isn't it? But I saw it. I know I saw it. Well, I heard it anyhow. At this point, I can do sound effects. You, you know what I mean? The world in terms of of what is available to us, we can all make a video and add some sound effects. We're not even sure what we heard. So it's the paradox. I want us to, to just sit in this 
this sense of all that's going on in our minds at any given time and be aware that it always includes the both and the and. Most of what we weigh in on is paradoxical. It is both true, it's, it's a bagger Vance moment, isn't it? It is and it ain't. It is and it ain't. Depending. But sometimes, Judas, it's just not your business. Oh, this is going to be an interesting April, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, who, who knew that would come out of my mouth on Mike? Sometimes, Judas, it's just not your business. Let that be between Mary and her teacher. Let that be between Will and Chris. Let that be between your neighbors. Let that be between whoever else's business you in. I can't name all the people. But I think you understand that I know you saw what you saw and you heard what you heard. But we all have had enough birthdays which have given us plenty of experience where we realize we got enough credits on what we thought we saw that wasn't and what we didn't see that was. I'm going to invite us to trot that out some, to just remind ourselves of the truth of our being. I need to go another further because we were, some of us were, were transfixed because history is in the making. Judge Katani Brown Jackson, nominated for the Supreme Court. You know, amazing that it took to 2022, but it did. And so here we are. And we have her in the Senate confirmation hearings where she was recently. It wasn't that long ago that she was in there with pretty much that same Senate group for an appellate judge position that is more similar to the Supreme Court workings than trial judge is because trial judges are sentencing. Appellate, court, appellate judges uh, courts are reviewing sentences and court proceedings, legal proceedings, and making a decision about whether they are in alignment with the law. So it could kind of look like to somebody Somebody, depending upon what they saw, heard, thought they saw, thought they heard, that these same folks were all right with those sentences a few years ago. Same record. Not any more relevant now because she definitely not going to be sentencing anybody should she be appointed, and I'm saying so. 
when she is appointed, she's not going to be sentencing anybody because that's not what the Supreme Court does. So it's very much, much more like what you just confirmed her for most recently. It's, it's like the next level of that. So, you know, the natural progression some might see. And so if one were not being very, very careful, one could end up on the slippery slope of getting distracted by the shenanigans. See, there's something about us coming to an awareness that we really do know what we know. You know what I'm saying? And there's a moment at which we strive to arrive at a point where we just say she's more, than, more qualified than anybody else. I mean, when you just, not just because I think so, and I do, but when you line up the level of experience, and some would say, well, you know, it obviously doesn't require that. But you're going to have to give some points to the people who have it. You know what I mean? It's clear it don't require that. It's very clear because nobody else on the court has all her experience. So it's clear that her experience is not the benchmark. It's clear her experience is not what a bar is. Everybody has to have this. That's clear. That ain't the party. But when somebody shows up with all that, you're going to have to act like they have that at least. I mean, I'm just saying we're not going to pretend. We know they don't have it, but we're not going to pretend like nobody does. So, but that doesn't mean that that's a social media moment. It means it's a point of awareness. It's a point of awareness where you say, I ain't even worried about this. Because I'm checking off all the points. See, at some point in life, we, we got to know that we know that we know and be willing to check it off. Be willing to know you are qualified for that mortgage or that refinance or that credit card or that job interview, whatever it is, you're going to have to know that you know that you know. And sometimes we, we are not at a point where we can practice on ourselves. Sometimes we need to practice on other situations so that when it comes to us, we're like, yep, I just did that. I just did all that. I did the whole drill for Judge Katani, Katanji. I just did the whole drill with that. So I know how to do my critical thinking around it. I know how to set up the premise and then how to claim it and affirm it. I'm trying to say something here. My sense is, Judas, we're going to have to develop some empathy. Now, you already have some. I'm saying we're going to need larger doses, expressions of. Empathy is defined as the ability to sense one's, to sense someone else's emotions, coupled with the ability to imagine what someone else might be thinking or feeling. I needed to work with the little online def definition because that felt too, so you got the ability, we all got the ability. Oh, but we're going to have to engage our willingness. We have the ability. We're humans. 
And humans are by nature. You know, we're sentient beings, and with that, that sentient, we are, we are empathetic beings as well. But we got to be willing to sense another's emotions. And we have to be willing to imagine and consider what another is thinking and feeling. And that is often what is absent from our online communications. Is any feeling around it. Ernest Holmes says, still in Creative Mind, he says, we must get the perfect vision, the perfect conception. We must enlarge our thought I'm saying from a place of empathy, until it realizes all good, then we must swing right out and use this almighty power for definite purposes. So maybe we could say no posting till you do this. I don't know, maybe there's like a little drill. That once you do the little, the little drill, then post as you will. But first get your mind straight. He says we should daily feel a deeper union with life and those we message. A greater sense of that indwelling God, the God of the everywhere within us. To see that, sense that, recognize it in others. He says when we speak into this mind, we are sowing the seed of thought in the absolute, and thus we rest in peace. We do not have to make haste, because it is done unto all what? As they believe. In that day, he said, that they shall call upon me, I will answer. The law must return to us. And our only responsibility is to, ex to provide the law a proper channel. That's our responsibility. We don't have to put it nowhere. Do All we have to do is be the place where it can be. If we think struggle is the reality, we're going to gain our demonstration. But struggle will have to be a part of that result. There's a law of reflection between mind and the one who thinks. And it is not only what a person thinks, but look at here, it's also how that person thinks. And I want to add how they feel. And it is in that that it shall be done unto each and every one, what? As we believe. So look, one of my favorite uh, Howard Thurman essays is I Will Sing a New Song. And um, part of what it says is that I must learn the new song for the new needs. So I'm not, I haven't come today to say your old song, kick it to the curb. I'm just saying we need a new song. Saying we need a new song. Because what? We have new intentions. We have new needs. We're, we're choosing to be more empathetic. We're choosing to be more loving. We're 
we're going to trust love. We're going to need a new song then because the old song didn't include the degree of trust. It didn't include the degree to which we now believe in ourselves and in the divine good. Howard Thurman wrote, I must prepare for new melodies, new melodies that have never been mine before, that all that is within me may lift my voice unto God. He says, therefore, I shall rejoice with each new day and delight my spirit in each fresh unfolding. And it was out of that essay that Erica Luckett and I co-wrote a song, my new song. And Takiya Franklin will sing that now, accompanied by Tammy Hall, my new song. A new song, a new song I will sing, a new song, my old song is so weary I've learned it long ago it repeats over and over and over and burdens my heart and my soul don't get me wrong it was a good song and you know I played that hand, but the chorus is tired, no longer inspired, not up to a new demand. I am ready to Sing 
that you just join me now in a prayer of thanksgiving, an acknowledgement of the tremendous and all-abiding gratitude and appreciation that I have for all that we've accomplished today, that I don't take it lightly that the fact that each of us opened our eyes this morning and drew a breath. I am grateful for that basic awareness of the life of the divine, the living one, the strong one, living us right now, and that the breath of the divine, the living one, the strong one, is breathing each and every one of us right now, even as we are breathing the breath of the living one, the strong one, the divine source. Oh, I am so grateful for being alive at this time, in this moment, grateful for everything in my life. Lord knows I have no complaint whatsoever. I am grateful for everything. Thankful for everything. Not that that's easy, but knowing that it's transformative in my life to be in an attitude of gratitude for absolutely every millisecond, whatever that requires of me. I give thanks. I give thanks. So in gratitude, I acknowledge that something quite magnificent has already happened today, that there's a divine transformation in mind, which means that it's also in body, which says to me that somebody is healed. Somebody has changed their mind. Their mind is open to an expanded idea, a new song, trusting love maybe, being willing to expend what they have for the greater good. Awakening the Mary in us. It is an absolute perfect gratitude for the total unfoldment of this service, for everyone who is in service, for all that has been contributed, for those who are yet coming forward to assist us in doing what we are committed to doing and being what we are committed to being and serving in the ways that we are committed to serve and contribute. I am grateful. And it is an absolute perfect gratitude for the way that this unfolds in my life and in the life of anyone who hears this, listens to it, sees this at any point in time. I give thanks. I know and I know that I know that something, something quite magnificent is unfolding from the inside out. And for this I give thanks. So I just surrender this word. I yield it to perfect law, which I know is love. And I allow it to be in me, 
right here and right now. Surrendering this word, I seal it for all eternity by simply saying, Amen, Ashe, and so it is. Love matters.